a Sunday school teacher preparing to teach the kids about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father, the Trinity, basically, came up with this great idea of bringing this cardboard with three holes in it. And standing in front of the cardboard, the teacher points to the, each one of the holes. To the first one, she said, this is God the Father. And then pointing to the second hole, she said, this is God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, I'm sorry. And then pointing to the third hole, she said, this is God the Holy Spirit. And over and over, to emphasize her point, she kept on saying the same phrase, the same thing over and over again. She even made the kids say these phrases out loud. This is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And finally, at the end, she pointed at Johnny. And I don't know why it's always Johnny in this story. She pointed at Johnny and said, Johnny, why don't you do it on your own? Tell us what these holes represent. And Johnny very confidently came forward and said, this is God the Father, the Son, and she forgot, and he forgot. God the Father, the Son, and holy smoke. That's what he said. Well, <laughs> this morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as part of our series Supernatural. But before I continue, I want to show you this video clip. It's a, it's a stand-up comic by um, one of my favorites. His name is Russell Peters. He's not always clean, unfortunately. But I want to show you this before I continue. Shall we watch? But it's incredible. I, I check into the hotel, and uh, after I check in, uh, the bellman is walking me to my room. And he leans in on the way to the room and he goes, Mr. Peter, I regret to inform you. Sir, but the hotel? The what? <laughs> the hotel? You know, there's only one O in hotel? <laughs> oh, okay. What about the hotel? Sir, the hotel? is haunted. <laughs> what? Why would you wait for me to check in and then tell me that the hotel's haunted? Sir, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just letting you know. Take the information and go. So I get to my room and I can't get to sleep now. Guy just told me the hotel's haunted. I'm like, I, I'm scared. Because I start doing the math in my head. The hotel's 300 years old. That means there's at least 300 years worth of ghosts in this hotel. So I'm panicking. I eventually panic myself to sleep. I got waken up in the middle of my sleep by a ghost. And I wasn't scared anymore. Because the ghost had an Indian accent. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to be afraid when you get waken up by boo? <laughs> I just thought I had to show you that. Well, in the past, I guess, I don't know, 10 years or so, there's been a lot of interest in the supernatural things as can be seen by the number of television shows, movies with the supernatural theme. And um, today, I want to talk about the third person of the 
Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not as easy for us to understand compared to the other two persons in the Trinity. When we understand what, the, what God the Father can be like, because we know the concept of a father, at least what a father should be or should look like. We understand God the Son because we know what a son is like. But the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is kind of out there. It's not as simple. It's not as natural for us to understand this, this concept. And I want to start by saying, Jesus, before he was crucified, he knew the disciples were going to be worried and what's going to happen if I, if I have to go on this ministry, this mission without Jesus, the master teacher, what will we do? Will we know what to do? Who's going to guide us? And Jesus, knowing that the disciples would need some kind of help in order to carry out the mission that Jesus started on earth to redeem people to himself, he spoke to the disciples to not worry because he's going to do something that they've never seen before in their life, ever. And in John chapter 14, verse 16, this is what Jesus promised to the disciples. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, the word counselor in the Greek is parakletos, parakletos. We understand the word para because it means like parallel, someone alongside. Um, that's what parakletos means. It is someone sent to walk alongside somebody else, to guide and to help, to encourage, to give direction. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's someone who walks alongside you to give you guidance, to give you direction, to give you encouragement when you need it. And that's what Jesus said. Don't worry about it. He's going to be there. A person summoned to one's aid by walking alongside him or her. It's kind of like the modern analogy that I could think of. It's kind of like a GPS. How many of you use GPS in your driving? I remember the first time GPS became popular and the people encouraged me to use it. Daniel, you've got to try this GPS thing. It's really great. And I didn't want to try it at first because of three things. Number one, Perth is kind of small. I thought, you know, I know all the roads in Perth. Not that difficult, right? Um, so I don't really need a GPS. Number two, GPS is for girls, right? I mean, we men, we don't, we don't even open maps. You know, we just, we just know where to go. And number three, I'm a cheap Asian. It was expensive back then. So I didn't want to buy it. Um, but when I tried it for the first time, man... It was great. I could never go back. Now, even for a simple you know, destination, I just punch in my iPhone because I knew I have more confidence when I use GPS. You know, I know I'm going to get there and not just get there, but get there by the quickest way or the fastest way, whichever method I choose to use. And one of the best features about GPS that I like so much is that when you make a wrong turn, it doesn't get mad at you. <laughs> It simply says, recalculating. Turn left at the next intersection. It's very assuring. I thought, oh, thank you so much. You know, it's like you almost want to apologize because it's so polite. Sorry, I won't do it again. You know, it, it doesn't get matter. It's not, it's not saying like, what an idiot. It's not saying that. 
It's saying, don't worry. Turn left at the next intersection. I'm going to get you there. I'm still going to get you there. It might take a little bit longer, but I'm going to take you there. And that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. You know, we make wrong turn all the time in our life, don't we? We do. I still do. I'm a pastor. You know, we make wrong turns all the time. And having the Holy Spirit to walk alongside us, to reassure us every single time, not to condemn us when we make mistakes, but to assure us, recalculating, don't worry. I know you make mistakes. And you're going to keep making mistakes, but I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there to your destination, the destination that God wants to take you. So that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. And I want to encourage you to not be afraid of Him because I know some of us come from the background where the Holy Spirit is really not, not talked much, not, not talked about very much. And I grew up in that kind of environment. I got saved when I was 18 years old. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And by the way, do you know that if you mix the letter around, you can get the word Britney Spears from Presbyterian? Yeah. I got that from our good friend, um, no, from Rearview. Phil. I got it from Phil Baker. Yeah. Don't try it now. Try it at home. All right? I want you to listen to me. But I grew up in a Presbyterian church where we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. See? We're very strong in our doctrines. We're very strong in our teaching. And, but we don't really talk or even use the services of the Holy Spirit very much in our circle. You know, we've been accused of believing in the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. That's a joke, too. <laughs> we are so scared of the excesses of the Holy Spirit. Now, we were told that we can't move during worship. We have to, like, stand still. We have to be stoic. We have to not use our emotion because then, you know, you might have excesses and do all this crazy stuff that the Pentecostals do. And I think that's being in one extreme. You know, I, I love my heritage in the Presbyterian circle, but I think God doesn't meant it, meant it to be that way. All right? But you have excesses on the other side too, where people just, they do all kinds of stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit to the point that maybe some of the stuff that they do are a little bit radical. You know, how many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Everybody knows the answer. Ten, right? One to change the light bulb, and nine, nine to pray for, against the spirit of darkness. That's, you don't know that? It's very obvious. But, um, so this morning, what I'm, what I'm trying to do, uh, I hope, in the next 15 minutes, thank you so much, Mark, for taking my time. I want to talk about what this paracletos does, all right? And I want to give you this picture as an example. Um, a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is, before that, I'm probably going to show you this verse. I'm sorry. When Jesus promised us parakletos, when Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit, how does it work? How does the Holy Spirit help you and help me to guide us in our Christian walk? Well, the way he does that, Jesus said, is that I'm going to give you, you're going to receive this comforter, this parakletos, to walk alongside you. And he's going to do that by living inside of you, by filling you with his presence. And that's what Paul repeats in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. 
Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's present tense. It's not like you do it once and you stop. But this is something that we got to do every single time, every day, every second of the day. I give you two pictures uh, to show you what I'm talking about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like the picture on the left, where you fill in your tank once a week or once a month. You know, you go to church once a month, you go to read your Bible once a month, you, you just do with one filling up one time, and then you go on living your life until it's empty again, and then you go back again and you get filled again. It's not like the left picture. But it's more like the second picture, the right picture, where the, where the Holy Spirit fills you like the air fills your lung. You know what I'm talking about? Every second of the day, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us, to walk with us, to encourage us. You know, just as we cannot live more than a few minutes without putting air in our lungs, you cannot live as a Christian for too long without the Holy Spirit filling you. But people are scared because they don't know what it means. They don't know what, what it's like. And a lot of people have this image of the Holy Spirit. The next picture, Sam. Thank you. People think being filled with the Holy Spirit means you're going to lose all your faculties. You're going to lose all your senses. You're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You become weird. You're afraid of that because you've seen some weird Pentecostals probably say, I don't want to be like them. So you have this image probably in your head that being filled with the Spirit is like this boy controlling this aeroplane from a remote control. The, rem the remote control, being the Holy Spirit, basically just tells you everything. You cannot move to the left or to the right. You cannot do anything. And the Holy Spirit will take over and does everything for you. And you don't want that. Because you want control over your life. You don't want to be weird. You don't want to do things you don't want to do. But that is not the biblical picture of what the Holy Spirit does. The biblical picture is more on the right, where the Holy Spirit is like a control tower to guide you, to tell you where to go. Just like the tower tells the pilot how to land, what speed to take to land safely, what height um, elevation. You know, to take how far to drop, drop, drop again before the plan actually land. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us, you know. So you, as the pilot, you have the freedom whether or not you want to follow the guidance from the tower. It's up to you. You still have full control over your life. It doesn't mean being filled with the Spirit does not mean that you're going to lose everything. The great example of this would be if you look at your Bible, we have so many different writers of the Bible, right? You have John, you have Mark, you have Paul, you have Peter. And when I went to Bible college and I started learning Greek, you know, we were told in the first year about all the grammatical rules of the Greek language, you know, what is the right grammar, what is the right syntax and all that. And when you go to the second year, third year, fourth year, as you become more and more proficient with the Greek, you realize something that you never realized before. You realize that when Peter writes his letters, he wrote it very different from the way Paul wrote his letters. You know what I'm talking about? 
Because Paul is a very educated man. He's very, very smart. You see, his, his language is more poetic. It's more, it's better. It's actually a lot better than Peter's, you see. If you look at the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, for example, in Ephesians chapter 1, the whole chapter is actually one long sentence. That's how Paul writes because he's just brilliant the way he does it. But Peter is very different. He doesn't write as, as well as Paul, you see. In fact, you might not believe this when I tell you this. Peter wrote with a lot of grammatical errors because he's a fisherman, see? He's not as smart as Paul, but he was filled with the Spirit. In fact, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote those letters, but the Holy Spirit left his faculty alone. The Holy Spirit left Peter with his experiences, with his background, and still communicate through Peter to us by not changing Peter in, in that way. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's a control tower to direct you. It's up to you whether or not you want to listen to him. So, um, I'm going to talk about three things. Three things that the Holy Spirit does that is most common. There are a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. But these are three major things, in my opinion, that we need to be aware of. Number one, the Holy Spirit keeps the unity of believers. The Holy Spirit keeps unity among Christians. Ephesians 4, 3 to 6 says this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. That is one of the major functions of the Holy Spirit in our life is to keep the unity among believers. For just one moment, turn to the person sitting next to you and ask, how many denominations you think there are in this world today? How many denominations? Just take a wild guess. Take a wild guess. How many of you think it's more than 100? How many of you think more than 1,000? Yeah. According to the latest uh, survey by Newsweek magazine, uh, not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, there are 33,900 denominations in the world today. 33,900, right? And every single one of them is right. Every one of them. Um, we, you know, the Rocks is part of the Churches of Christ, just like we are Churches of Christ. Of course, we are the the most right of them all, right? But I really can't wait for the day when we all go to heaven. You know, what a fantastic day there will be because there, is, there will be no more denominations, right? There will be some Catholics there represented by the Pope. There will be some Lutherans there represented by Martin Luther. There will be some Presbyterians represented by John Calvin. There will be Methodists represented by John Wesley. And there will be us, Churches of Christ. Represented by Jesus, of course. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He keeps the unity among the believers. People ask me this question all the time. Is your church spirit filled? I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
I don't know what that's, what, I don't know what that is. But I do know this though. Yes, our church is spirit-filled. You know how a church is spirit-filled or not? When there's unity in the church, the church is spirit-filled. Amen? When there's unity in the church, the church is spirit-filled because the Holy Spirit unites believers. That's what He does. You can't tell me, you know, oh, we have this, all this miraculous stuff going on, but there's no unity in the church. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is not there. Because even the evil spirits can do miracles. In the last days, Jesus says, you know, there will be many who will perform miraculous signs and wonders. You know, that's not difficult. The Egyptian magicians could do that a long time ago, right? But there's one thing for sure. When there's unity, the Holy Spirit is there because that's what he does. Second, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ. Now, in John 16, verse 13, this is from the message translation. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, this is what Jesus says. He will take you by the hand and guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but he will make sense out of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all I have done and said. He will not draw attention to himself. The Holy Spirit, his job is to point you toward Jesus Every single time. He's a deflector. The moment you magnify him, the moment you try to elevate him, that's the word, Mark, he's going to deflect it and direct you toward Jesus instead. Don't be surprised. As you talk about supernaturals, as you talk about all this stuff, you keep talking back about Jesus because that's what he does. He points people toward Jesus. Again, if you want to know if the church is spirit-filled or not, you can simply ask the question, does this church glorify Jesus? Does this church preach Jesus? Does this church invite people to come to know Jesus? Because if the church does all that, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is there. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to always point people toward Jesus. In Acts 1 verse 8, this is before the Pentecost, Jesus promised his disciples, stay where you are in Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when he does, you're going to be my witnesses. Right? Look at that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be whose witnesses? Who's my? Who's the pronoun here? It's Jesus. Right? Not the witnesses of the Holy Spirit. But because the Holy Spirit empowers you, you are able to become the witnesses of Jesus Christ, not the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of Pentecostals got this wrong and they elevate the Holy Spirit to the point that Jesus is hidden somewhere. That's not the whole idea. The whole idea is exactly the opposite. The Holy Spirit is given to you to give you power, to enable you to open your mouth and invite your friends to come to church so that they may know Jesus Christ. You see? Every single time you magnify Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work. I know the accusation directed toward us, you know, Church of Christ, Presbyterians, is that, oh, you're not spirit-filled. But Paul says, everyone who says Jesus is Lord is of the Holy Spirit, you see. You cannot say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit helping you to do it. So everyone of us Christians, 
We have the Holy Spirit in us. The question is, you have the whole 100% of the Holy Spirit. You don't have like only 50% of the Holy Spirit or 70%. No, you have 100% of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can't be divided, you know, halfway and all that. But whether or not you choose to depend, to walk alongside the Holy Spirit every single time, that is up to you, you see. So his job is to point you to Jesus Christ, to point people toward Jesus Christ. And finally, the Spirit helps us to be holy. A lot of people don't realize this, but it's actually kind of obvious. In fact, this is one of the, if not the major job of the Holy Spirit. This is, you know, this is it. In fact, it's so important that he does this. It is actually in, you know, included in his name. His name is Holy Spirit. You don't realize that. But his name is Holy Spirit. So his job is to help you and me to be holy. His job is to help us to walk like our status, which is the sons and daughters of God. See, in justification, when the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are justified. What that means is you are made righteous. You are made holy. You are 100% holy right now. You are saint in Jesus Christ. That's how Paul addressed all the believers in all his letters. To the saints of Jesus Christ in Ephesus. To the saints of Jesus Christ in Corinth. Wait. Wait a minute. In Corinth? Saints? You know, there are more saints in Corinth than at any other place in the whole planet. But still, Paul called them to the saints in Corinth. Why? Because Paul calls them by their status. You see? We are saints in Jesus Christ. But we're not acting like saints sometimes, right? And the Holy Spirit's job is to help you in the sanctification process, to help you to become like your status is. That's what he does. To help you to be righteous because you are already righteous in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.19, Paul puts it this way. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, every drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then in 22, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I've heard this preach to say that, Oh, man, as Christians, you've got to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Man, you've got to produce love. You've got to produce joy. You've got to have peace in your heart. I'm telling you, that is wrong. All right? That's not how it works. This is not a command. See, I have to learn this because English is my second language. You've got to learn all these differences between what is an indicative, what is an imperative. This is an indicative. This is not a command. How do you know that? By the verb is. Right? The, Holy, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's, it's a statement. This is not a command. It's just a statement. It's just, Paul is just telling you, let me tell you what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, and so on. So if you try to produce this fruit on your own, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail. Because you're not meant to do this. You're not meant to produce this fruit. This is not the fruit of Mark. This is the fruit of 
The Spirit. This is not the fruit of Daniel. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So then how do we show this fruit in our life? See, the command comes later in verse 25. Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. That's how you produce this fruit. As you keep in step with the Spirit, then what, guess what's going to happen? The fruit will come in your life. So our job is not to produce this fruit. Our job is to walk with the Spirit who will guide us and remind us and encourage us and pick us up when we fall. That's His job. Are you willing to walk alongside Him? That's the question, Right? Because a lot of Christians, I know, they're very, very happy. We're just stumbling along in the Christian walk. We're just very happy just, you know, coming to church and just do the Christian things and not really wanting the full power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want to close by telling you this, this example, this illustration. How many of you, how many of you know um, the Niagara Falls? Yeah? You know, I... I've seen this, the pictures of Niagara Falls for, for the longest time since I was a kid. But in 2001, I finally got a chance. I was in New York um, at the time, before the 9-11. And I went to visit my friend in Buffalo, New York. And he took me to see the Niagara Falls. The first time, you know, I saw the Niagara Falls with my own eyes. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I've seen the pictures it's totally different seeing the pictures and being there next to the Niagara Falls. Just when I thought it couldn't get any better, my friend Nels, he said, tomorrow I'm going to take you to the Canadian side. See, it's a lot better from the Canadian side. You can see it a lot closer from the... <laughs> so we went to the Canadian side, saw the Niagara Falls, and I thought, wow. And... Just when I thought it couldn't get any better, Nell's wife, Linda, told me, you know what, Daniel? If you really want to experience the Niagara Falls, you got to take this boat called the Maid of the Mist. Um, I have the picture there. The boat will actually take you all the way. You have to wear a raincoat, you know, to go there. And you see all the blues there, the blue colors? Those are the raincoats they give you. Because you're going to get soaking wet. Not just the sound that you will hear, but the experience, the water, the mess, everything. That's how you experience the Niagara Falls. You see, a lot of Christians, we only hear about the miracles the Holy Spirit does through somebody else's experience. We only hear the great things that the Holy Spirit is doing through the life of these people. And we're just happy to, wow, that was fantastic. Praise God. But some of us are not happy just hearing stories like that. You know, we want to experience the Holy Spirit ourselves. So we actually do something about it. And some of us are not very happy just to experience him every now and again. We want to experience him like every single day of our life. We want to take the maid of the mist and get soaked with the Holy Spirit. He's available to do just that for you. The question is, do you want Him to do things that you never thought you could do? Do you want Him to guide your life in such a way that, that you get to see 
the amazing supernatural stuff, you know, that the Holy Spirit can do in your life and through your life. He's given to you. He's given to me for that very purpose. And we don't have to be scared of him. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to have all the access as well. But he's working his will. He's there. He's available. And my encouragement to you is to just open your heart to him. Let him work in your life. He will lead you to do just that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for just revealing to us just a little bit more about the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, I know there's not enough words that we can use to explain what he means to us as Christians. So, Father, I pray in the next few days, in the next few weeks, as we just open our, ourselves to the possibility that the Holy Spirit might invade our life, I pray, Lord, that you will, you will help us to be, to be courageous, to not live in the box of what we understand about him, but just allow him to work freely in our life. We thank you for this series. We thank you for the opportunity to get to know the third person of the Trinity a lot better, a lot closer. So Holy Spirit, lead us. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, how about we show our appreciation for Daniel this morning as well. Amazing. Just great. Look, guys, uh, just one more thing, and uh, we consider this the most important thing we do each and every time we gather, and uh, that's to give you an opportunity. If you've not yet, you have not yet personally made a decision to follow Jesus. Daniel talked a lot about that. This everything about the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And uh, we're not just meant to turn to look at him. We're meant to actually follow him. And if you've never made that decision to follow him, right now we're going to give you that opportunity to make that decision. Real simple. All we're going to get you to do, for those of you who have never made that decision to follow Jesus, in a moment, as a way of you saying, I'm making that decision, I just want you to put your hand up. And when I see your hand, you're not really putting it up to me, but when I see it, you know, you're putting it up to God, God, it's you. I want to follow you. But I'll see your hand. You can put it down and, and then we're going to pray. So we don't want to miss anybody. And, and as I just said, this is the most important thing we do to give you an opportunity. If you've never made that decision to make Jesus your Lord, to follow him right now, make that decision. Just slip your hand up. You say, God, that's me. I'm making that decision this morning. When I see your hand, you can put it down just really quickly. We don't want to miss giving you this opportunity, and I don't want to see you mistaking this opportunity right now. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me this morning. I want to follow Jesus. Cool. Who else? Just quickly lift your hand. Just say, yeah, that's me this morning. That's me. It's the decision I'm making right now. When I see your hand, you can put it down. Okay, let's pray. So we're going to pray. Let's pray. I want you to actually just say these words after me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And even those of you who have made this decision before and prayed this prayer before, pray this today with me as both a sign for that person that raised their hand that you're standing alongside them. And also, hey, this is even a great opportunity for us to continue to recommit, make sure we keep in step following Jesus. Say these words after me. Dear Jesus, this morning I commit to follow you, to make you my Lord. 
Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for giving me a brand new start. And I will follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How about we celebrate with that person this morning? Fantastic. Love it. You know, Daniel, just uh, really, really solid. English is his second language, man. He speaks English better than me, and it's, uh, you know, allegedly it's my first language. Uh, Just great, man. Really appreciate you. Appreciate your church, Chris. uh, Looking forward to having you driving that thing for the next few weeks for us. So just uh, excellent. And, uh, yeah, next week we're going to continue to teach on the Holy Spirit, how to be powerful without being weird. And... uh, it's just really, really solid, really important. Set a great foundation today for that too, Daniel. So excellent. Next week, kickstarting commitment of building the future. Come ready to play your part in that. Come ready to release faith, capacity, potential. Be praying for that. We want to don't just see a natural commitment. We want to see a supernatural miracle take place with our building the future. And I really set that up. Just excellent. When you see a person today, we shine a bit of the spotlight. When you see a person with an orange shirt this morning, just say, Love your work. Make sure you really encourage them. They're some of our unseen heroes uh, here at Elevate Church. Now, Neil, today's coffee? Nicaraguan Diamond. Okay, wonderful. Yes. Well, this morning's coffee is Nicaraguan Diamond. So uh, being from Nicaragua, it might have a little spice of cocaine mixed in. You just never know. Anyway, whatever works, I say. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you back here next week.